Hello, everybody, and welcome to Alight On. Here to make sure that you are not left in the dark on the latest benefits, payroll, and cloud trends. With new episodes every month, Alight On is your go-to source to hear the latest topics from the brightest minds in our industry. I'm Dominic Belmonte, and today we are going to dive into RFPs, how to ask the right questions to find the right information, how to identify what is critical from a benefits technology vendor, and of course, we're going to leave you with some tips to be successful in your RFP process. I am joined by three experts today in this field. Please join me in welcoming two of our Alight experts, Colleen Pappas and Josh Welch, as well as Lockton Director Brad Mandacina. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, I have a couple reminders. Once, I want to remind our viewers that if you have any questions throughout today's webcast, please put them in the question box in the upper right-hand corner of your console. We are going to do our best to get to questions at the end of today's episode, but if we don't have time to answer questions, we will make sure to follow up with you at the conclusion of today's webcast. I also want to remind our panelists that this is meant to be an open forum. So if at any time you have additional follow-up, you have additional commentary to share, please feel free to do so. If you guys don't have any questions, I think we should just dive right in. Let's do it. Perfect. Okay, and let's dive right into RFP basics specifically. And Josh, I'd love to have you kick it off with us. Are there any basic things that organizations can do right off the bat to set themselves up for success in the RFP process? Yeah, Dom, I, I think that's a great question, great way to start. Um, and maybe we'll kind of uh, share some perspectives here among the three of us for this first question. So. Um, The RFP process is an extremely complex and complicated effort that an organization is going to go through. And if you think about it, um, companies usually are not going through these that often, maybe every three to five years or even less if you you do it well, right, and really find a vendor you can stick with for a a long period of time. So um, there is a remarkable diversity of different solutions that are out there. And before you just jump in and start asking a lot of questions of different providers, I think it's critically important to make sure that you are organized internally and ready for that big effort um, that's coming up. And so for me, I think one of the things that really sticks out initially is make sure that internally within the organization, you have the buy-in and the business case done before you embark on this, this robust question and answer RFP process. And why do I think that's important? Well. We see some organizations who may actually use the RFP process to create a business case and buy-in internally, and that can be a little backwards of the way that you want to do it, and sometimes those end up going nowhere. So it's good to make sure you have everyone kind of aligned internally as you get started. Awesome. Um, Colleen, I would, I would love for you to give some perspective, too, on things that you're, uh, that you're thinking. Oh, couldn't, I couldn't agree more with getting the buy-in early on as they're building the business case because it's super important to bring all key stakeholders on early on in the, in the process from benefits, HR, payroll, IT, and get what's important to them as they go through the process. And then as an organization, holistically agreeing, why are we going through this process and what is our ultimate goal at, at the end of the day? And then after you do that, when you start to assess who are we going to bring in, who are we going to evaluate and invite into the RFP, be considerate about it, right? Sometimes we see we're going up against 11, 12 different vendors, and each vendor has a unique niche to themselves. So generally, if there's 12 vendors bidding on bidding on the RFP, there's a good handful that probably shouldn't be within the mix, right? Well said. Uh, Brad, I would love your thoughts on that. and. 
Yeah. And, and I would say even going back before you get to the vendors that you're including, I would say establish some timelines and understand how long it's going to take to get through the decision-making process within an organization, uh, taking into consideration contracting and, and so on and so forth, uh, but also the vendors' timelines as well for implementation to hit a go-live date. Definitely. And Brad, I actually want you to build off of that. So from a consultant perspective, how do you assist your clients through the RFP process? And as an extension, what's the benefit of utilizing a consultant through this experience? I, th I think there's a number of advantages to using an independent consultant that, that's not affiliated with any one particular vendor. Uh, helping clients through that RFP process, it begins with defining requirements. We establish those timelines that we mentioned, the stakeholders, and really create that framework for the entire process. From there, we will help them evaluate not only the vendors that should be included and then walk through that entire total cost of ownership. Using an independent consultant really adds value because you bring a level of industry expertise. This is all that we do all day long. It's our world. And so we're able to bring in a view of not only what should this vendor be doing, but also beyond that and what's happening in the overall market so that we don't end up with 12 vendors in, in this process. Uh, you know, and then the last, I think, is that consultants bring a proven process and methodology to the overall RFP framework. Definitely. And then Josh and Colleen, from the perspective of the technology vendor that's answering the RFP, what can consultants do to help better prepare you to respond to the questions? Mm -hmm. I would say definitely the more information, the better. So the more we can get about the organization from tactical stuff of, you know, size of organization, all the way to cultural, how they are cultural within the organization, um, to what's the why behind it? Why are they even going to RFP in the first place um, to pain points that can really help us craft what that you know what the solution is back to them um, that, that's what I would say is the the top would yeah I think I think that's a great uh, great point there and what I would add is um, RFPs can often be a list of features and functionality and yes no answers and from a provider perspective, it's really important for us to have the organization go beyond just the features and functionality that they're looking for and really get more into what are the business goals and objectives that you're actually trying to achieve with this really big transformational initiative that you're going through, right? Um, and you know, an example I, I can think of is we might get an RFP that says, I want a mobile app. Well. Go into why that's important. Do you have a maybe a decentralized workforce and some communication and engagement needs that you may have with that workforce where a mobile app may be a great solution? Yeah. But if we can understand what are those goals and objectives that you're really trying to achieve up front, what that does for us is it helps us bring potentially other things to the table in that response that the organization may not even think to ask um, up front. The only thing that I would add to that is having a happy medium with the questions, right? So sometimes we'll get an Excel document with like literally 15 to 20 <laughs> questions. And that's not truly an RFP and it really doesn't do it justice. Yeah. What you're really doing is asking for a quote and you're not giving the organization an opportunity to truly craft a solution for, for your organization. And then on the other spectrum, we'll get like a 70 page RFP and can an organization really digest that? 
And can the Ben Admin really put thoughtful questions, like answers into 70 different pages? Yep. So really just having a happy medium. Wow, that spectrum is wild to think about. <laughs> and, and not to play ping pong here, but Brad, going back to you, yeah. what do you wish from the consultant perspective, again, our, our technology vendors could do more of in the RFP process? So I think helping us with the answers to the questions, being candid. Let's talk about what exists today, what is on that roadmap, and, and identify where those functionalities that the client needs for success match up with what the vendor is able to offer. Create that, that synchronization of those two, those two groups coming together. We don't want the 70 questions. We don't want the 700 questions. We want to make it a, a good match. Uh, so really being candid with what you have today and where it fits. And the intention there is to identify where there might be a deviation from the client's requirements. And are we going to fall short on anything that might require a manual workaround? And it's not to, to throw out that as a, as a roadblock, but rather to look at it and say, if there is a manual workaround, who's going to own it? And how are we going to solve that problem to help that client achieve success? No, that's absolutely accurate. And it seems to me, too, that this is a lengthy relationship that we're building. So doing some work right up at the front will only better prepare you to continue on through a successful opportunity yes. through it. Yep. And Great. so we've already dived into the basics of the RFP. But what I want to move on now is the in-depth aspects of the RFP. How can we make sure that we collect the right information from the right questions? And so, you know, it seems to me it's, it's very clear a lot of research goes into this. But, Brad, if you want to start us off, how do you know what to even ask to get the right information in the RFP. Right. So we spend a lot of time with our vendor partners up front. We understand how they work, where they best fit. So that when it comes time to a client engagement or, or the RFP process, we are very specific in the questions that we ask that, that are based around that client's uh, requirements. Beg your pardon. And we are very pointed in our questions. And so we start with a yes, no question. Can you offer this functionality, yes or no? And then follow-up questions are explaining that detail. As an example, can you provide this report? Can you create this custom report, yes or no? And if the answer is no, how are you going to help the client achieve that objective? So there's ways to get to the underlying functionality specific to those client's needs. Another thing to take into consideration with, with the RFP process is really thinking of it from holistically the benefit solution. So not only just the benefits administration, but everything that goes around it and how do they fit together with HSAs, FSAs, commuter, um, healthcare navigation, just to name a few things that the employee will interact with while they're interacting with the benefits administration. So how do they integrate together? Are they under the same umbrella, the same technology provider? Or is the technology provider using another organization and bolting it on or integrating it in with their, their technology? Right now in our space, APIs, integrations, like everyone's throwing those words around like the wild, wild west. Yep. And if you ask five people the definition of what both of those words mean, they all will have a different different answer. So dig in a little bit. It's okay if they're using another organization and you know integrating together, but what are, the, what are the processes and procedures and the parameters that they have in place to make sure it's going to work and it's going to be successful and meet your organization's goals at the end of the day? And to add on to that, if there is a third party involved, I think it's important to know who's going to own that contract. Contract. Is it going to require the client to have another agreement or will the vendor hold that agreement? And it, it just helps understand, you know, the, the order of responsibility there. That's a great point. 
Yeah, and it, it, so it seems to me this is definitely, there's a lot of complex things to digest through this process. And I guess I might be asking the million dollar question here, but how do you ultimately choose one vendor over the other? It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, I say, Brad, you want to it, Yeah, that, everybody looked at me. Uh, that's, it, it's a tough process. And it is about really understanding the best long-term solution for that client for, and what's going to fit for them long-term. Uh, there are a number of things that go into it. It's it's important that you get past the flash of the uh, uh, sales process of the finalist meetings of looking at the the um, shiny ball is a terminology that's thrown around a lot. Yeah. Uh, and and look, I, I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as bad technology, only bad fit. And so trying to get past the, the excitement of the, the look and feel of the system, we really encourage employers to do site visits after finalist meetings or, or throughout the process. And, and with that, you can learn so much about an organization just by walking through their halls. Uh, you can meet the executives. You can meet people that you never would have through that sales process. We encourage people to walk, uh, go into the call center. And is it dark and gloomy and depressing or is it lively and energetic? And that energy and that passion is gonna translate to that client, to that employer and how that vendor treats their employees. And so that's all gonna be transferable back to that end game. Brad, I, I love your point around the site visits and the importance. And speaking from the provider perspective, I think we would echo that very strongly. And, We've kind of talked about it. You have to date a little before you get yes. married, right? And there's, yes. a, there's an aspect there that I think comes out in a site visit and really getting to know each other. Um, and I love your point around the fit being the really important thing. And if you think about we've talked about how this is a really long-term engagement. Yeah. Um, the right provider will be an extension of the client's HR team. I mean, this should feel like one group working together towards common goals over time. Yeah. And there is nothing more important when you're evaluating that relationship to say, what is it like to actually work with this group on a day-by-day -day basis? Who will be on my team? Right. You know, let me make sure there's a fit culturally, you know, organizationally with those people. And when we look at a site visit, um, we say we want to bring a client in to understand what it's like to work with a light every day. Let's talk about what annual enrollment governance looks like. Let's talk about you know, what, what it looks like when you bring on a new acquisition, things like that. And just getting to know each other. I think our best sales meetings when we do site visits are those where the first 30 minutes is just open collaboration and talking about issues and challenges and how we can, can tackle those together. Another thing to consider is um, how you approach references. You know, a lot of organizations ask their vendors for, um, for a reference, right? Yeah. Of course, the vendor is going to give a really good reference, <laughs> right? Like the happy clients. But this is benefits. Things go wrong. So when you're interviewing those references, ask them. Ask them, like, what happens when something goes wrong? How do they react to it? How do they handle issues? Because that's super important yes. for, you, for organizations to understand. Definitely. Now, Josh, I have a follow-up question for you. Besides technology and functionality, what is really important to evaluate throughout this process? Yeah, I, uh, I love that question. Um, so I'll, I'll say it again, kind of the, the importance of this process that you're going through and how it can ultimately, um, I'll, I'll say, make or break your organization's success in, in the HR and benefit space, depending on who you, uh, who you choose. And what I think is important when you go through that process is to make sure that you require that provider to articulate their vision and strategy that is important to them as an organization and kind of their viewpoint 
um, that will ultimately drive where they make investments and where they take their product and their solution over three to five years. Um, we sometimes, I'll, I'll tie back to something Brad said earlier about a roadmap. I think we sometimes find that there's a focus on a roadmap, which can be a very tactical list of features and functionality over the course of the next 12 months. And I would encourage companies to say, let's look beyond that and tell me what is important to you as an organization and make sure that that lines up to where you are looking to go as a company, right? There's that right kind of long-term fit. And why? Because that will ultimately govern where that provider puts their investments over time. And you want to make sure that that's actually meeting your long-term needs. And a, a very specific example, you know, if you're talking to someone who maybe is um, doubling down on SaaS and self-service technology, and you're an organization who is short-staffed, you need a full-service kind of outsourcing model, that may not be a good fit, regardless of what the short-term roadmap says. You need to kind of think about what's driving that long-term kind of strategy and investment. So Definitely. So it seems to me, like, and I could be off, but there's a lot of moving parts throughout this process yes. from a consultant perspective, from a vendor perspective, from every perspective. And so I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of our viewers are too, is there a resource or something that if you're going to start this process and you're going to embark on this journey that you can use to make sure that you ask the right questions, you get the right information and, you know, basically all the things that you guys have summarized so far so that our viewers can make sure that if they're in this position that they're set up for success? Absolutely. We have RFP best practices, even RFP templates that we can definitely provide to everyone on the on the webinar today as a follow-up. Oh, so. awesome. That's great. And so, you know, it's what's important to me to understand too is that this is all really great information for our viewers and I want us to summarize all of the things we've talked about with one last question. And so I would like it if you can all participate today. I don't care who goes first. <laughs> but what are the top three questions or topics that you would need to ask about in an RFP? I have a hard time. <laughs> I have a hard time with three uh, uh, specific questions. Every client is unique. They've got unique requirements, unique goals, where they're trying to get to, their definition of success. So rather, I would say, ask about uh, um, maybe topics or categories. What is the vendor's um, uh, approach to implementation support, both during and after, uh, after go live? Uh, what about the vendor's approach to, say, data security or their financial stability or longevity? Even explore their reputation in the market. So it's hard to put three specific questions. I, I don't know yeah. if you... Yeah. I agree. That's hard. Three. But um, don't be afraid to ask open-ended questions. You could probably learn a lot about an organization yes. that way. Yeah. Like, ask them, describe your culture, right? Oh. Um, describe the process when something goes awry. Uh, or down to describe, like, what you were saying earlier. Describe what is... Where do you see the vision of your organization mm -hmm. going? That could give a lot of insight and let the... Um, give the opportunity for the organization to really tell their story. Yeah. So, well, what do you think, Josh? Colleen, I, I love the open-ended question. You'll, you'll kind of sense I have a theme here on, on a fit, a long-term fit <laughs> yeah. uh, with, a, with an organization. And, you know, companies like us, we get a lot of RFPs that come in. All, all of our, our peers do. And um, what I think you're really looking for is the way that that company is responding to the RFP. Is it um, indicative of the, the service that they will give you in the course of the relationship? So if you get some canned responses that just come back as yes, no, um, that's really something to look for. But the open-ended, you know, what have you done with organizations like us? Tell us what your recommendation is that we do. We'll, we'll really give you some insight into how deeply they've listened 
Yep. And, um, you know, really making sure that their solution is lining up to your ultimate needs. So I would recommend, you know, an open-ended question like that. Say, did you hear me? Yep. And what are you recommending we do to address these issues? Excellent. And Colleen, Josh, and Brad, thank you guys so much for your insights today. I wish we could stay here all day and chat, but we are unfortunately out of time. And if you're watching us and you want to learn more about today's topic, any of our panelists, there's additional information in the console on the right-hand side, and I highly encourage you to check it out. Before we head out, I want to remind our viewers that next month's episode, we are going to be putting a light on well-being and why having a strategy matters. Thank you so much for tuning in this month, and I promise that we will always shed a light on the latest benefits, payroll, and cloud trends as long as you tune in next month. Thank you so much. <laughs>